Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, world. My next guest is CMO of a company getting tons of press lately, and for good reason. They've actually been named a leader among Zero Trust Network providers by Forrester Research. And Julie Price, CMO of AppGate, the leading Zero Trust Network access solution that secures all users, devices, and workloads with a software-defined perimeter, joins me today to speak about it all and more. Julie, welcome to the show. Are you ready to get radically transparent with me? Let's do it. I'm ready. I love that answer. So listen, I I know, you know, we, we're going to get into a lot of different questions about what you do, uh, what is AppGate, but I was hoping before we jump into the, the more kind of professional questions, if perhaps you could give us a brief look at your career journey and how you actually found yourself in the shoes of a CMO today. Yeah, sure. So I feel like I was lucky because I came up in the professional world during the high tech boom. So it was a great environment to work in, a very fast-paced, very dynamic. You really had to learn to be nimble and, and turn on a dime. And so for a marketer in the B2B world, um, that's a good place to be. Um, it really forces you to be creative and, and think quickly and um, try things and fail fast and move forward. So I started out um, in that era, and it kind of naturally led to cybersecurity. A lot of the work I was doing in the high-tech space was really connected to cybersecurity before cybersecurity was a thing. So about <laughs> a decade ago, I ended up um, working for a cybersecurity company and really loved it. really felt like I found my place in um, an industry that is just absolutely compelling to me. It's a super fascinating industry. It's certainly one that everyone, I think, especially today, um, talks a lot about, and especially when it comes to data. And again, we're going to hop all into that later on in the episode. But just for our listeners out there, AppGate, I know cybersecurity, the space is quite crowded. Uh, there's a lot, even people hear a lot of cybersecurity, and then there's just a lot to, to know and to learn could you get us up to speed about what exactly is AppGate? Uh, I know I gave a brief little uh, dive into the intro, um, but kind of how is it changing cybersecurity for the better and, and how are you different from your competitors? Yeah, th- thanks for the question and also thanks for the intro. You did a great job. <laughs> so, you know, AppGate is a cybersecurity company that offers software and services. And we say that we help empower the way people work and connect. And what I mean by that is, Cybersecurity impacts absolutely everybody in their everyday lives. And it's so far reaching that sometimes you don't even think about um, how many ways it does impact you. Everything you do practically is online, right? So if you're online at any point during the day, guess what? Cybersecurity impacts you. So um, we kind of take this approach that um, people are not cybersecurity experts, right? They get online, they accidentally click links, they download things they shouldn't, they forget to update their software when they're um, supposed to. So all of these things leave them vulnerable and their um, enterprises that they work for to attack uh, by adversaries who are super sophisticated and um, very motivated and have the time to really 
uh, wreak damage if they want to. So we take this um, approach that if you can really control the access to the network, who has access to the network and what they have access to, then you can really limit the amount of damage an attacker can do. So um, our solutions are really geared around um, securing the access to the network and the network resources. Um, because we know that mistakes are going to happen. Um, people are human and humans make errors and the cybersecurity solution has to make up for that. Absolutely. And I, I can only imagine kind of the, the, the new hybrid work environment presenting even more challenges than before. Um, and I know for a lot of regulated industries that, you know, uh, it's presenting an interesting look at how are they going to kind of create this work from home environment and still stay secure and, and moving forward when, you know, many of our solutions are all online. How, how do you keep us safe? So uh, I'm definitely interested to hear more about AppGate um, and, but kind of shifting the conversation a bit more into the kind of CMO world and marketing world. I know that 2020 was certainly the year of pivoting. I feel like 2021 was kind of like the sequel of 2020. Um, and I can only imagine not only just being in cybersecurity where I feel like hackers have to be good maybe 1% of the time where we have to be 100% of the time secure in order for them not to uh, you know, attack or kind of penetrate our systems. But what are some of the things that are keeping you up at night professionally in your uh, space, in your industry, or, or as CMO? Sure, yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. The number one thing that keeps us awake, just as a company that provides cybersecurity, is we want people to be secure. So <laughs> that, that's, that's definitely table stakes for us. But in terms of just a leader of a marketing organization, I think there's, you know, so many, as you said, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021 have all been these transformational years and um, everything has changed in the way that we market to people and COVID certainly made it more challenging exponentially. We, we move the human element in a lot of ways. We're not face-to-face -face anymore or very rarely face-to-face and that's really where you build relationships. So from a marketing point of view, it's how do we build those relationships when we're really actually hardly ever face-to-face -face with anybody anymore. Um, that's certainly one major concern. How can we create these authentic relationships with people that we are not in front of? Um, I think secondly for me is just providing people with really good information that they need to help them make decisions at every critical point along their buying journey. So, you know, I feel like um, the old days of marketing of the, the idea was let's gate all this really good content. Let's let's make people practically submit a DNA sample together. <laughs> and you know, yeah, right. And, and you have to jump through hoops. And, and so I think our, our you know current thinking is well, that's kind of not fair, right? Let, let's give people access to information um, that is um, not quite so laborious. <laughs> Really, how do we get that really good content to them? What do they want to read, listen to, hear? Um, and how do they want to consume it? There's so many different um, vehicles for consuming content. So kind of creating the right mix is certainly something that um, we, we challenge ourselves with every day. I can definitely attest to that. And I think, too, when you think about GDPR and all of the different regulations that are kind of hitting our space it definitely challenges us to think differently and approach data differently, but also approach the buyer journey differently. And that kind of 
I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, I know in every organization, I, I don't think when we measure marketing anymore, it's so straightforward, right? It's not like you can say, oh yes, this ebook led to, you know, they started out the ebook and it led to this conversion, but we can start understanding multiple touch points and understanding intent. And I, I was just curious, you know, what are some of the ways that your team is going about measuring kind of the unmeasurable, if you will, or kind of the, the questionable or the gray space areas? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> metrics. Um, and it is it is not a simple thing. And you're so right with your um, summary of it there. You know, back even a decade or so ago, you know, the thinking was, oh, it takes about five touch points to get through to a prospect. You know, five times they have to interact with you or your content. Now the, the conservative thinking is 15, you know, 15 or more touch points, right? That's a lot of contact with you before they might ever want to talk to a salesperson. So to your point, there is never just one thing of direct relationship between, oh, they saw this and they did that. I mean, there are, sure there are outliers and that may happen, but it is most definitely the exception, not the rule. So things that we're looking at now are certainly attribution, right? What are all of the things that attributed to a prospect becoming a buyer? So it's a very long attribution funnel. <laughs> the second part is uh, buyer intent. Um, so there's great platforms out there now, account-based marketing um, platforms that have really rich analytics that can help you see um, where people are kind of becoming hand raisers, where how their intent is shifting from they're just researching, considering to, to becoming active buyers, and then trying to measure your impact to them along um, that journey. So I would say that it's um, Part science, part art, and part unknowness. <laughs> part really the best mix of marketing metrics. It's always changing, and we and we have to stay on top of it. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely, definitely agree to that. And I think intent data is always so interesting to analyze because, like you said, it it really is. It's not exactly an art, but it's not exactly a science. It's a nice mix of two. And then sometimes there are no rules. The wild west. So, kind of with that concept. I was kind of thinking, right, you know, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, marketing cybersecurity is probably one of the most challenging industries, I think, to be a marketer in only because the space is super saturated because cybersecurity is so, so needed. But I'm sure it makes it even more challenging to stand out in an already crowded space. And I was hoping perhaps you can kind of dive into maybe how you're leading your marketing efforts when it comes to standing out, but also with that, how are you staying credible? Because I think that also in cybersecurity, like you can't really be too cliche. You, you can't, you can't always give away all the secret sauce because essentially that's, that's, you know, what you don't want to do because you don't want people to be uh, unsecure. So what are some of the marketing efforts or things you're doing? Yeah, that's such a great point. Um, it is challenging. I know I'm sure every marketer in every industry thinks they've got um, a tough uh, nut to crack when it comes to telling the story, <laughs> right? You know, we've all got different challenges. I would certainly say in cybersecurity, the biggest challenge is getting customers to be willing to talk about why they use your solution. Because absolutely to your point, they don't want to expose anything that's going to leave right. them more vulnerable. <laughs> exactly. Right? So some things that we've been able to leverage pretty effectively um, in the way of storytelling is to help do it through third parties. Um, we recently this year had a really um, very interesting uh, research survey that we um, 
commissioned an external um, party to do, where they interviewed really in-depth interviews with our customers to talk about, okay, what's the economic value of this solution? So not necessarily, oh, you know, how did it plug some security gaps? Nobody's going to talk about that, but how did it help your business operationally? How did you um, use this to solve other business and operational challenges and public the economic impact of, of FDSDP and, and this situation was that was the product we were um, researching. And so we had some amazing stories come out of it where customers, you know, um, were able to tell these stories that didn't reveal things that were sensitive to them, but were helpful to their themselves and their peers to say, hey, this helped improve our business, mm-hmm. let alone our security. That that's a, a given, right? It helped improve our security posture. But here's ways it really impacted the business in a positive way. So that's just one example of trying to get a story or a narrative out there that um, helps your customer because it doesn't reveal things they don't want to reveal, but it helps you, you as the marketer say, hey, think about our product and what it can do for you besides what um, you think it can do, which is solve a cybersecurity problem. It can help in other ways. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think, you know, what's interesting about the survey, we actually also here at Octopus just released um, a CMO survey where we kind of took a similar approach where we were asking CMOs about, you know, marketing spend, but without coming out and saying, you know, what are you spending, you know, your marketing spend on? And right, we, want, we don't want to give away any secrets or anything necessarily like that, even though this is the Radically Transparent podcast. Um, but <laughs> we did this survey and we did find some surprising, I would say, um, kind of findings that perhaps gave us a new way to spin things or think about different things in our platform. So I, I definitely agree that the survey is something that is an interesting approach. Um, and kind of to that point with, with with the storytelling kind of leads me into social. Are you guys big on social? Is that what are you guys doing on social, if anything? Or is that not something like, because I'm like cybersecurity, you know, are, are, is that field social heavy? Yeah, really, really interesting question because, um, you know, this is I'm being general here, but generally speaking, I think if you're a um, company that's marketing to, to consumers, you've got you've to figure out social, right? Because consumers are all over the social media channels looking for um, things, information that will help them buy. You know, you get served up a gazillion ads a day if you're on social media. <laughs> So, uh, so I think it's a really strong and important marketing vehicle for um, business to consumer, for business to business, and especially cyber. Um, you know, let's be real. Our buyers are um, much more um, skeptical. They are um, they're not out there taking the general public's word. You know, on things. Um, they do a lot more diligence in their buying because they have to. That's, that's part of what they do. Um, so, social is a component for us, but I wouldn't say it is a primary driver. We certainly want to make sure that we are telling our story and are available to people on professional channels like LinkedIn. That's important Mm -hmm. to us, right? So many people are on LinkedIn and we want to share out good content and have people be able to consume that on LinkedIn. We're also on on Twitter, Um, but some of the other mediums I don't think apply as much to us as they do to companies in other industries. 
I would definitely agree with that. And I think in the B2B space, just, you know, majority of our customers are also B2B. I would say LinkedIn. I like to think of LinkedIn as the main player and Twitter, Twitter and sometimes Facebook, but mostly Twitter as the supporting actor. Uh, and I think that that sounds like you have a pretty good handle on that. And, you know, my next question, it kind of is a bit similar to the previous discussion. You know, we're talking about how do you tell that story or how do you resonate or how do you stay authentic um, with your audience and with your prospects. But I think when I think about cybersecurity, right, like we said, nothing really speaks credibility or reliability or trustworthiness more than a customer testimonial. But as you shared, right, it's not really something that people are outright saying, hey, let me give you my entire customer story. So we talked about the surveys, but how besides the survey, what are some of the tactics you are using to tell great stories? Um, Or is it more of like a one-to-one marketing approach? Or what does that look like in how you're working with your sales team? Maybe you know, is it more of like a personal throughout the sales cycle? Could you kind of dive in a little bit on how marketing and sales are working together and then how you're able to capture the stories of your customer without giving away for them their vulnerabilities? Right. Yeah. No, definitely um, account-based marketing more one-to-few and one-to-many, um, excuse me, one-to-few and one-to-one efforts um, are really uh, important now, right? You have to enable sales with the right information to share with their buyers. And certainly if you're in a one-to-one conversation, you can have deeper conversations about things and then you kind of are doing a, a, you know, a broad marketing effort, right? There, there's a lot of um, ways to go about that. So we have to make sure that they have those really good data points and storylines to share with our customers, um, and, you know, as, as they get deeper into the sales conversation. Um, so that is definitely absolutely important. I would say um, if I step up about 100,000 feet from that and say, what can we do as, you know, at a broader marketing level to help tell those stories? Certainly, this, you know, third-party um, surveys and research is one way. Let's say another way, and this is something that we are really strong believers in, is building really good relationships with industry analysts. Um, okay. Industry analysts absolutely have influence over buyers. Um, it is almost impossible to navigate the cybersecurity space on your own, right? There are way too many competitors. We all sound very similar. It's very hard to differentiate in space. And so people have to rely on trusted parties, um, whether those are advisors, um, technical advisors, or industry analysts. So if you can create that mindshare with an industry analyst and have them truly understand how you're different, how your product um, solves real problems, then they become an advocate for you to their clients who hopefully become your clients um, and and share the story in that manner. And that provides you with a lot of credibility, um, you know, just coming from an industry expert. Absolutely. And, you know, congratulations again, when I was doing my research and I saw you had been named by Forrester Research as a leader among zero trust network providers, that that's pretty big. And I, I was going through the report and, you know, seeing AppGate, you guys are really in a category of your own, um, which is phenomenal. Uh, so I can, I congratulations, I'll just throw that out there. I have two more questions for you. Um, and to kind of shift away from the marketing sphere a bit, but the, the next question is more about, you know, I, I know we're speaking, we're both uh, currently in our homes 
And as a marketing leader, it's quite challenging, I think, to be balancing this new hybrid way of work, whether, you know, cybersecurity aside, as a human, as a a professional, how are you navigating or what are some of the things that you do on a day-to-day to to just stay sane or, you know, what does your workday look like? Because I can imagine (laughs) if it's anything like what it looks like here at Octopus, you've got, you know, memos and slacks and all different sorts of technologies coming at you with action items all throughout the day. So what are some of the, what does your morning routine look like? Or is there anything Uh, that you could share with us that perhaps we could learn ourselves to make our days more sane? Oh boy, I wish I had that deep of wisdom to impart. (laughs) (laughs) It is challenging, right? I mean, I really, I miss people. I miss being um, with team members and there's, there's no replacement for the energy you get when you've got people in a room. I mean, it's great to have virtual meetings and to be able to communicate with people in a variety of ways. Like you mentioned, there's no all kinds of ways we communicate today, but nothing to me replaces the energy you get face-to-face. So that, that's kind of um, a given. But I, I think some things that I use to stay sane is I try to um, take a piece of every day to actually learn something. So I, I love to read blogs. I love to read third-party content um, around both marketing profession and also cybersecurity. So just consuming content outside of our company and our bubble of what we're doing right now helps keep me grounded in a lot of ways. I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm learning something new. I'm, 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 I'm helping advance um, my own education in whatever area I happen to be looking at. So I always try to set aside time to do that every day. I definitely um, feel like it's important that at some point you get up and walk around. I mean, <laughs> Simple, but you know, punched <laughs> over your desk for hours and hours, and you know, get up, walk around. If you need to take a walk around the block, if you need to take a fifteen-minute quick cardio, whatever it is, because it, it refreshes you in every way possible, right? It resets your mind, it gets your endorphins going, and it, and it gives you more energy to get through the day. Um, so those are just you know a couple of, of simple things, but um, I'm certainly. Uh, open to any other suggestions. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, we'll try to get a, a conversation going, you know, when we, when we have this go live. Um, but I think what's, what's fun about, you know, what you said, first of all, about the getting up and walking around, it's so true. I mean, you're literally sitting at your desk all day and I don't know why. Like I, when I was in the office, I felt like I took more breaks. And when oh. I'm sitting at home, I have no, I start earlier and I just plow through I don't move. And then I look at the clock and it's three o'clock and I'm thinking, I haven't even eaten lunch yet. How did this day go so fast? So I'm not sure what the work from home does. <laughs> um, and then in terms of uh, your, you know, always be learning advice. I think that's great advice to stay sane, to keep your your mind fresh and just always really stay on top of what's going on in the industry. For anyone, for marketers, especially, I know we got a lot of marketers who tune in. What are some of the blogs or the publications or other podcasts that you're listening to or reading to that you feel would be worthwhile to give a shout out to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of great blog material out there um, from CRM companies. And so I, I don't know if I'll, I'll name them specifically, but you know, um, there's a, a number of really good CRM platforms and almost all of them have very good blogs associated with them. So go to your favorite CRM platform. <laughs> I promise you, you'll find a blog that they put in. And I find that to be super helpful and enlightening. Um, I'll also, you know, look through my feed on LinkedIn, and a lot of times, you know, obviously they're targeting you by your um, your industry and your your title, and I'll get I'll see um, various pieces of content that'll come up, and 
Um, even if I have to fill out a form, if it sounds like good content, I'm going to do it, right? I want to, I want to do it. Um, and then, and just in terms of, of the industry, there are so many great media outlets um, that cover cybersecurity from business uh, publications that um, are everyday names um, now have cybersecurity sections to them um, to the, you know, very specific dark reading SC media, the ones that um, cater specifically to cyber. They've all got really um, great content that they're putting out there on a daily basis. And so, you know, just take a, a run through it and see what catches your eye, but you're going to find something of value. Phenomenal. Thanks, Julie. My last question. So we know that you like to uh, read some CRM blogs and get some information there. We know you like to take walks around the block um, and that you are a master marketer in cybersecurity. All of that um, I learned on this podcast, but also uh, through LinkedIn. And I was hoping on the last question that you perhaps could share with us something that if someone were to go to your LinkedIn profile, that they wouldn't necessarily know from just understanding your professional journey on LinkedIn. Sure. Do you want something, um, <laughs> uh, a little known fact of something like a hidden talent or something? <laughs> Let's, yes, we can, you know, we can do a little bit of both, but I think that hidden talent sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, there is something I absolutely love to do and it may sound crazy, but it's called aerial, aerial acrobatics. So if you've ever seen like a Cirque du Soleil show and they're hanging from silks and they're doing all kinds of fun things. I'm obsessed with it. I've been doing it for about eight years. Um, I do it for fun. It's great. It's very um, exciting and it's a ton of fun and it doesn't feel like exercise. It feels like, you know, you're dancing and floating in the air. And, and that's a that's amazing. Um, <laughs> did you, when you got started in that, I mean, do you have a background prior in, you know, dance or circus or just, how did you even... What, what was that first class like? Like, how did you come up, come to that? Isn't that funny? Yeah, so I, I did ballet, you know, as a, as a, as a child. I was probably a lot of people. <laughs> um, but no, I didn't have any any hidden circus talent. <laughs> um, but no, I, I actually, I, was, I, I saw, you know, a number of Cirque du Soleil shows and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> one day I was just sitting around and I thought, there's got to be glasses people have to learn this yeah so i googled it i live um, in atlanta and i was really literally floored to see that someone had just opened the studio <laughs> so it was like my next call was when can i get a lesson did a, did a lesson and i was hooked so. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, we actually have an office headquartered out of Atlanta. So for anyone listening in from our Atlanta-based office looking to do, what's it called? Aerial acrobatic or? Aerial, we call it aerial acrobatics. Or, yeah, that's probably the best way to phrase it because there's a lot of different um, areas of it you can get into. But oh, that's a <laughs> Fantastic. So anyone listening in and looking for a new hobby or, you know, when you get up to walk around the block and you want to maybe hang from the sky as well, you know who to talk to. (laughs) Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for such a fun interview and also very insightful. Um, We're going to keep our eyes on AppGate because, again, uh, reading about you in Forrester, very interesting work, very interesting platform. Um, And for you, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for breaking up my day with a great conversation. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.